I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Matchball podcast. Leisure and I said have just beaten West Brom at Ellen Road. We've dived straight into the studio afterwards. I'm Dan Moylan and this is Michael Normanson. Hello. And Moscow White's here as well, Daniel Chapman. Hello. Have we all recovered from that then? That was a little bit tense towards the end, wasn't it? It was a little bit. We were all, all confident, were we? <laughs> well, I, you, I you feel were, relieved. You were sat here earlier on this afternoon when I said on our regular podcast, number 150, I expected six points this week, and I fancied that this was just the type of game that we needed. Then, and I said the same. <laughs> then, though, we had to go and watch the bastards. That's the difference. Um, we started, to be fair, no, we started well. We started well. It's not the start that's the problem, it's the end. <laughs> Every single game. Just win. Win know, by goals. But, but More we, goals. But we did win, and do you know what? Yeah, I know, I'm, I'm very happy. What I'm going to say was good about tonight is that it was a bit of it was a bit of an English championship win. It was a concede possession, lump it forward a little bit and defend, you know, doggedly, shit out them a bit. And I think maybe that's what we needed just to break up the regular pattern. And I thought we did a great job at that tonight. It was worrying towards the end when they seemed to have lots of tall players on the pitch. We'd lost Cooper, who's probably the best in the air in our team. And they just seemed to have a lot of ball in the box and it felt almost inevitable, but... It was all right. They didn't have that many chances, did no. they? There was just a lot of a lot of play around our box, which, which given what we've seen so far this season, normally we we think is going to lead to goals. I just want to pick you up on something there. I was less nervous about this tonight than I was against Derby. Late on, that is that because it's Derby though. No, Derby. I think I was more worried about Derby. Is what I'm saying. Even these little miles better than Derby tonight. Obviously, by oh yeah, mile. they were. Yeah, I wasn't as worried tonight as I was against Derby. That you knew that Derby goal was coming tonight. Despite everything, I just had faith that they wouldn't score. I did not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want, uh, how's this for Leeds United supporting negativity? I will entirely cop to this, that when West, when we scored, um, one of my first thoughts was, oh shit, because now West Brom are going to attack and Cooper's off and Brady's on. I thought I can't cope with them just attacking for the next however long, uh, 50 minutes at Berardi. I just had that feeling. Was, oh God! Why? Why did we score? Why do we have to go in the lead? Um, and but it was great. Like yeah, there was there was obviously that feeling creeping in. I think I know what you mean. The Derby one felt like maybe just because of the story that it was they were going to score. We don't really have that story with West Brom, and I I just had 
a little bit more faith, but there were just too many times in the last half hour of that match where they're on the edge of the box. There were a few moments where I think they probably fucked up as well. There was one, I don't know who it was because it was just a blur. He had the ball on the edge of the box and if he'd taken it to his left into the box, he had a chance to score, but he laid it off outside the box. And I was like, thank fuck, you yeah. don't know what you're doing. I mean, we criticise our decision-making in the final third and again, some of it in evidence again tonight, um, but that's the level that we're at and they were probably our equal in that tonight. I thought some of their decision-making was shit in the final third. I thought Alioski made a very good decision to score a goal. I thought that was a good decision made. Well, yeah, actually, it was completely prophetic, wasn't it, that uh, Bartley was going to come and score the winner at Ellen Road. We didn't realise it was going to be for us because it did take a fairly big deflection. That I've only seen the one replay of it and you, it doesn't, you can't even really tell it's deflected from the mm. one I've seen. I thought, because uh, we were trying to work out how the keeper had missed it because it seemed like the angle from... Uh, where I was from the top of the West Stand should have been something that he saved and I could only assume that maybe Alioski had done the right thing of done half shot half cross just get it into the box really hard really low and it's going to hit somebody and go in I thought that might have been what caught the keeper out it was out. Your, uh, your classic Alioski pull it across the far post but it's the right well but it, it's the right thing to do as long as somebody's in there to yeah, put it in the net the corridor of uncertainty but yeah it was it was going wide of the post right well even better I don't care he, he did the right thing whack it into the box um, it's kind of what we, uh, you're looking for Harrison to do all the time. Just get Zappertson in. Just don't, don't think about what you're doing. Just bang it across the box. And if Bamford's got anything about him, he'll be there. If not, it'll hit the keeper, it'll hit the defender. Something happened. So it was good. It was like really good to see us being a little bit more, uh, forthright in the opposi- opposition area. Definitely. And we, we picked up on the deficiencies of Costa and Harrison. Uh, in the podcast earlier on, we were worried about what we we're going to see tonight, and I think they answered those questions. Particularly Harrison, he did his dog with a balloon impression again a couple of times. Particularly frustrating five minutes from the end when he did all that brilliant hard work, cut down to the byline and just took an extra touch. It's like everything up to and including his first touch, as we said, is brilliant. And then he did all the hard work and then ran it into bloody touch. But also, even for the goal as well, he did his best to lose control of that. Did you notice that? He got it trapped under his feet. But, ironically, it bought him the time to allow Alioski to come up the outside. Yeah, I thought the goal was good because he was just holding on to it and like keeping it for his life until he could find something to do with it. So that was good. The one at the end, you said to me... Yeah, my, my, well, my little notes that I, I make on my phone just to remind me what's happened in the game. 84, the most Jack Harrison thing ever. <laughs> Is what I've written. It really was. He was brilliant. Did some great work, and then ah, oh, out it goes. Goal kick. Yeah, but no, he was he was really good tonight, and we saw uh, we did see more Costa. He seemed. To, he, I was worried for him at first because the first time he tried to, tried to take a full back on, he just fluffed it. I thought, oh God. Um, but after that, he. I don't know if he. Yeah, he beat a couple. I mean, he was unlucky not to score as well with that. It was it a turn and... Um, oh, that was brilliant. Half volley in the yeah. first, first half, was it? Or second no, half, second half was so. a really fat, like, took a shot really early, which is always good. And no, when he started, you started to see the benefit of his pace, um, either running onto a ball behind or also just getting the ball at his feet and, and running into the middle. Him and so Harrison both... the beginnings. They both did that today. They both actually came into the centre of the pitch, whereas it felt like against Charlton, they just went down the outside, shit cross, down the outside, shit cross. Yeah. Today they were actually making moves themselves to get in shooting positions, which was helping us a lot, I thought. It didn't feel like there were as many crosses today. No, I don't think so. I think no. there were more passes. But we were restricted to fewer opportunities by West Brom as well. 
left. I think we have to give them credit for being a good side, but you know they've spent on a lot of players and they've got a good coach as well. But I thought we we matched them. I mean, my my notes at half time. Um, after I put how didn't we score a second which I think we'll come on to in a minute but then I put first half they were good but we were better I think so and I think it was stressful at the end and you'd say they were the better team for the majority of the second half but equally I think if they had taken the lead in the first half that probably switches and we're the ones that have all the possession in the second half and that are stressing them out with having a lot of balls around the box it's it's just I think the nature of two decent sides you inevitably end up hanging on a little bit when you when you get a lead so I'm not I'm not overly concerned that that that's the way it went because it, essentially they're probably the best team in this league maybe other than us supposed to be aren't they but I wasn't massively impressed with them and and just to close on that point I've counted up we had uh, against Charlton we put in 38 crosses tonight it was 19 so if my maths are correct that's half it's half yes um, that's 50 percent Moscow can you do percentages <laughs> and the other. Uh, the other big thing in the first half was Shackleton as well, who I thought was uh, really, really good in the middle. Um, and Bielsa has said afterwards that he was um, injured. He's just said in the press conference. Hamstring, hamstring it was, yeah. He said he wouldn't have taken him off otherwise because he was playing really well. I, I did, was, one, I did I was wonder surprised. about that. But he, I thought he's been he's been a bit of a question mark over the last few games because we feel like we've missed for sure keeping it steady, but he was so good. And now he's injured. Nicking the ball, uh, running forward. Well, yeah, and then Cooper obviously is injured because Ailing's fit. Like, that's the only reason Cooper's got an injury. Thank God we've got back to the regular pattern of uh, injuries mounting, because yeah. I was starting to get worried. One in, one out. Yeah. The challenge on Cooper was a bit nasty, actually. It was a it was a sneaky little studs over the top of, the, of his foot type thing. I, I thought I thought it was deliberate, that. There was, West Brom seemed to really love a big, flying, meaty, fucking hard tackle that was also a foul, didn't they? Like, mm. the, when... Um, Bamford, yeah. The, Bartley, Bartley going yeah. through uh, Bamford, or cut him in half by the looks of it. I was thinking, you can't just... This isn't rugby. And what was great was uh, Bartley then protesting to the ref, saying that it was a dive. I mean, if you watch the replay of it, Bamford, that great. Let's give credit to Bamford for that great turn out of mm. two players as well on the uh, on the touchline to then get down the line. And Bartley comes comes flying across, and he does hurdle him to get clear of him, but it's still a reckless. Um, and they, they talk about being out of control these yeah. days, don't they? With your tackles, and it was it was it was reckless. There, there was a, quite a few of those. I was going to say there was one about seventy minutes down in the bottom court, like the northwest corner, where I thought it was a borderline red card, and the ref didn't give, even give anything because I think he did get the ball, but it's one of those where the player sort of flies in over the top, and, takes ball man and everything else. Yeah, there, like, there were no players in the way, but I mean, if there had been, there'd have been. Was like, that in was? Um, oh no, I'm looking at the first half. Look at your notes. I don't think there was ever a period where it looked like it was going to get completely out of control the game, but in the in the first half, there were a lot of cards being dished out by the ref. He was it was a little bit petty, but he booked obviously our coaching staff. Two of them, Bielsa, and I think it was Corbran as well, because yeah. twice there were too many people stood up in the technical. He enjoyed that far too much as well. Yeah, he'd uh, Billich was on at the fourth official about it all night. It was his big. He kept pointing over, and at one point, Bielsa, I couldn't work out if he was gesturing to somebody on the pitch, but I think he caught Billich doing it and kind of gave him a big wave away gesture. When Bielsa got booked, that was I'm pretty sure that the referee looked over himself and saw them all standing up, and then did his big strut over and was like one, two, three, four. I'm going to book you now. I declare a thumb war. It keeps happening. I was. I would love to compare. I think we do push it. We take the piss a bit more with how many coaches we have standing up. But I'd love to know how many other teams even have that looked at. But it is definitely a 
the referees just get the point. They just love standing in front of Marcelo Bielsa, the world-famous football coach, and telling him off. Why, is it, all it is. Why is it a rule? Well, bear in mind, in this country, you weren't allowed to coach from the touchline until the 1970s. It was against the rules because coaching players was against the uh, the English game. So that's... We don't do that over here. It feels, well, like, it feels like most rules, though, you can see a... You can see a reasoning for it, whereas that just, I don't know. I think, it, yeah, I, I don't know the... It's but the same as um, you can only have three substitutes warming up at once. I think it's just to try and maybe just to keep it tidy, like so that the the linesman isn't confused by too many people running around and stuff. And and I guess you you probably have to have a limit because I think if it was up to Bielsa, he'd have, he'd have 10 of them. And he does kind of take the piss with how many he, he gets up. But... Um, but it's a it's interesting watching the styles as well because I know um, Bilic was basically just he was the only one standing up. So some managers Lampard when he uh, came with Derby just used to stand there and not talk to any of his staff. So they have different approaches, and Bielsa just loves to sit on his bucket and just have all these guys in their their military t shirts jumping up and barking things. I think they have the license if you see something, say it. Referees don't like it. Bilic didn't like it, and it's just oh, we push it every game. Fucking cares. <laughs> I mean, we <laughs> do push it every game, though. We do. Yeah, but it's just another thing, like you say. For I mean, you did predict it on the podcast earlier on. Actually, Moscow, there'll be a few fireworks on the touchline, and that was that's the other thing about it as well. Bilic did not get out of the fourth official's ear all match about one thing or another, and that doesn't get a, a yellow card for dissent. But some persistent standing, <laughs> which is supposed to be a problem in the cop, is uh, we getting a yellow card for it every game. And yeah, there was the bit at the end when it was. Um, Bamford wouldn't they tried to get the ball off him because they thought it was their throw and he ended up with two West Brom players by the throat like fuck it I mean one at a time like he'd one and then the other he wasn't he's not Salim Lamrani <laughs> but although as you you were saying the other week if he's maybe he's on the Lamrani training programme and also his anger management because he, uh, he looked close to snapping. It was great tonight, Bamford. I thought it was a good shit-housing performance because one of the questions that we posed in the podcast earlier on today was what was he actually for? And mm. I think tonight we found it, and we we found the best of Patrick Bamford tonight because he uh, he battled in, in in what was a battle for his corner well, and and he shit housed quite a bit and went down at the right times and drew the fouls. And I, I thought it was a really good performance. Yeah, I can't really complain other than the mischance. <laughs> that was the thing. It, it, if he scores that goal at the end of the first half, which he should, then you'd say like it's it's perfect. You can't really fault it. We'll stick with the praise for now. Yeah. Oh no, well there is <laughs> praise then, in there. You just need to yeah. listen. A bit more careful. <laughs> <laughs> I basically, I don't want to get drawn into talking about that before I've said anything nice about him. No, I thought, because I also have got something horrible to say about him. Go on, just get it out now. Um, no, I thought his uh, his his work tonight and the the effort he put in was really outstanding, especially given the treatment he was getting. Like, none of the West Brom defenders missed a, an opportunity to, um, to kick him. Like, the, the first minute, I think... Um, Bartley base almost pulled his shirt off and then uh, Bamford didn't get anything and, the, and Bartley turned to the linesman going, he's pulling my shirt. And it was outrageous. But And that was the start of it. But Bamford fought back throughout and was absolutely fantastic. The only problem he's got is that, and it was summed up when um, he chased from, our, from their penalty area all the way down the wing in front of the benches to stop their uh, fullback from getting forward. Every ounce of effort in there Brilliant, exactly what you want. The crowd are cheering. Just he's not fucking strong enough because he's such a little, uh, he's, he's thin. 
And when he got there, he actually didn't win the ball and he just went off and then he's like, oh shit, they're still attacking Bamford. Why are you on the floor? So it's kind of, you just wish he did have that beefcake physique. Um, but that's that's perhaps what was brilliant about him is he, he wasn't letting himself play down to his um, comparative lack of bulk. And he did out-muscle out Kyle Bartley at one or two points as well. Yeah, he also got flattened loads of times. And that, I think, it, no, it should be praise for him because every time he got flattened, he would chase somebody down, harass them, give them a problem, end up on the floor. At least he's held them up and at least he's gone over there. If he's not winning the ball, he's fucking putting them off. So, And he's doing it again and again and again and again. And I think that's uh, the thing to his credit. Even if it's kind of, it's not criticism of him. I just chuckle at him putting all this work in and then just sort of being knocked over. Bouncing he's, off people, he's soft. Yeah. I was yeah. pleased we kept him on though because I was worried it won't, we might be tempted to put Nketiah on and I think it would have potentially just thrown our game plan out a bit. And it, well, it's tempting if it went in the period when they were getting a lot of possession and Bamford was not really touching the ball it is tempting to think oh well stick someone else on see yeah. what happens but I think we did the right thing to to just leave things it's tempting when he missed from two yards as well also <laughs> tempting to just haul the bastard off at that point still I've now seen the replay but there was so much confusion um, again I, I was up with Phil Hay and neither of us knew um, I was writing in my notebook what happened at the same time as I realised he was tweeting what question mark None of, nobody could work out I thought Bamford thought he was offside and so hadn't really like tried to score and then but then seeing the replay I think it was just kind of a not a confident finish you want if you're two yards out just belt it into the net I think what you'll find as well though is and a really good save yeah and if you, but if you watch the shape of his body I think it came across from his right hand side and he therefore tried to touch it rather than swinging his right foot around it to put Use it in your right boot I know he, I know two he yards sh- out I know he should have done but when it's coming from that side, it's hard if it's running past you to get momentum on it when it's travelling in that direction anyway. £30,000 so, a week. I know, so the, the instinct, I guess, is just to, is to go with your left foot and poke it home. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's different in the heat at the moment, isn't it, as well? But then again, Costa could have scored and probably should have done. They were both really save. good saves as well, now seeing them back. They, they, it was, um, it's yeah, it's maybe the... the the worst I'd say about it is it's the finish of somebody who's not been scoring very often um, and maybe under different circumstances because they were showing before the game they were showing the highlights from the West Brom game last year and that goal when um, I think it's uh, Pablo Hernandez puts him through and he muscles off two defenders and makes a space gets it on his left foot shoots not clean but he gets it into the net and it's like um, and that wasn't the, the same kind of finish there but yeah it's just um he just, yeah, it was just a really confusing moment. It's like, how has he not scored? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. 
Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Or Tyler Roberts, though, <laughs> coming on against his former club. He's thinking, right, I'm back into the action now. And then 30 minutes later, he sat back on the bench. What do we make of that? I mean, the first the first thing he did was stand on the ball like a, a drunk man at a barbecue as well. When he came into the box and I thought he, he was limping. When he a, st- can I say that's a great analogy? I really like that. Oh, thank you. He, he, he stood up and he was limping as well. I thought, Jesus Christ, he's fractured his ankle and he's, <laughs> by standing on a football within the first 30 seconds of coming back on the pitch. Um, yeah, it's maybe no wonder we were disjointed in that the second half either because we've already lost... Cooper, who kind of organises the defence, then Shackleton's had to go off in the centre of midfield. We've brought on, it's not a like-for-like replacement either bringing Roberts on. And Bielsa has since said that that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. What's he, what's he exactly said? Because uh, this is hilarious. From Adam Pope's tweet from the press conference, uh, Bielsa says he made the wrong decision to bring Roberts on and apologised as it was not Roberts' fault he was subbed. Bielsa blamed himself for reading the game incorrectly. And uh, and that'll be a midnight phone call ten years down the line. Yeah, we have to. Is, Lee Scott is in my timeline saying that Bielsa won't sleep tonight after taking Roberts off. We'll probably call him in the middle of the night in ten years' time to apologise again. <laughs> and he did. Bielsa gave him like a little hug as he came off, which he doesn't normally do. He normally keeps a, a distance from the subs. Um, Phil Hayes' version of the press conferences that said Roberts was taken off because the game changed quickly and Leeds were on the back foot. Didn't feel it was Roberts' fault. Um, and it was. And I think. You run the risk when you play for Bielsa. We've seen it with uh, Phillips. Has he he's subbed a sub off before, hasn't oh, he? A few times. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's never personal. It is just, and it's almost it's a refreshing uh, part of the game because if you know what are the rules about about substitutions? If you've got a player on the bench who will solve a problem that's on the pitch, it doesn't matter if it's five minutes into the game or five minutes from the end. You can't uh, you can't be worrying too much about these adults feelings under that situation it's like no I need I need a defender I don't need you right now so you have to come off even if you just came on I thought it was interesting that he he chose to make the the um, change to bring Roberts on off though because it put Dallas in centre midfield and it's like Dallas has become his go-to man it's like if I need a job doing I can trust him he he's can, the new Bill he understands it he can just play he can slot him wherever and he'll do a job for me there which is interesting because he started off as a winger didn't he and then he's gone Fullback, centre midfield, and it's just the way we are now. I had that feeling with uh, um, when Berardi came on. I was looking at him and I thought, where did Berardi used to play? <laughs> like, what was he when he came here? He was a left back, wasn't he? Right back. Right was he back. right back? You see, this is it. It's just completely gone. And now, like him and Dallas, I just think of them as just players. And Alioski was a, definitely a left winger, and he's now definitely a left back, I would say. He had a uh, a weird uh, little chat. Him and Bilic were like hugging and joking on the touchline at the start of the second half. I don't know what that was about, whether just two mad people meeting. Maybe just a bit of Balkan banter. Yeah. Those chaps love it, don't they? But what do you make of Alioski today? He's hilarious, isn't he, just generally? I saw a little clip of him um, at halftime. He, I don't know who he was speaking to. I presume it was either Bamford or um, Costa, because he, he was clearly saying, how did you miss? <laughs> Which is nice. Somebody's got to ask the questions, hasn't he? <laughs> and it may as well be him. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. I thought he was going to get sent off at one point because he he was putting in a few uh, fairly wild wild old tackles. But then um, 
everybody was, everyone was really, oh, I'll tell you, he was really, 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 really good. Uh, ben White. I don't think it gets said enough because it's suddenly it's become default now. But if we if we go back, what is this now? It's the first of October, first of August. Everybody thought this uh, this shit wanker who's only played for Newport before was going to ruin our season because he's not Pontus Janssen. And I was watching him in the first half and thinking he is. And bearing in mind the extra ball we've been watching some of the O one O two stuff, I thought this is the best defender I've seen since Rio Ferdinand. He just looks that good. And t- there was one, I think. Um, Dallas was struggling a little bit in the first half to get round um, the winger to break up the wing and he he did that once and the ball bounced. You thought it looked like he got round him so you think, oh, he's off and then suddenly the ball bounced back and nobody would have expected it. Ben White, split second before it happened, started moving and was first to the ball and then a brilliant pass forward and he just does that again and again and again. He knows exactly what's going to happen and he gets to the right place. It's But he did make one absolutely terrible pass into uh, midfield straight from one oh, of their players. Beyond a hospital pass. That and I it. made a note, I think it's possibly the first bad pass of his career. <laughs> Certainly at Leeds. It was there, was. there was a chance, I think, in the, uh, when was it, second half, when he just out-muscled somebody to allow the ball to go out for a goal kick as well. Yeah. In the area. Didn't do anything, just gave the man enough contact just to let it sail past him. And you, we can't really, there's not a lot to say about it because it's just so accomplished. It's like watching a, It's like watching somebody building an old-fashioned sailboat it's quite, you know, some, where they're just carving away at the wood for years. <laughs> and you can't say, and you can't be there every hour of every day while they're doing it saying, this is really great what you're doing. Keep it up. That's fantastic. I've, the, like, that latest bit of planing of that wood is even better than the one you did 10 minutes ago. You've just got to almost come back when it's, uh, well, one day that boat is going to be sailing on the seas for probably fucking Man United because that's where you'll end up for 50 million. No, this one, this one stays with us. You think? All the way up through the leagues. Well, I hope there's so. There's only one above us. But. I hope so, because he looks fucking terrific. <laughs> He's a very, very good footballer. He was the best player at Charlton as well in what was an otherwise quite bad performance. Yeah. He, he just was so calm. I, I, I don't normally... I, I think because I, I was quite close to the pitch at Charlton and seeing him like close up, he just... It, it, you almost, I was almost feeling the pressure of people closing him down as well. But he was just very he calm. Care. He doesn't care. He's just like, yeah, I've got this. It's fine. I can turn inside, lay it off, move into space, collect the ball. No bother. So like, well, yeah, when you're watching it, you can see things happening just a few seconds before they happen and you start to think internally, not necessarily a, like a words in your head, but you kind of go, you have that feeling of shit, 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 shit. <laughs> oh, he's fine again. Yeah. Although we should maybe, uh, although we could give him credit for two good games in a row, I think there's some credit to the rest of them for for going Saturday to Tuesday and playing so much better especially yeah. when it we're at home as well where it's been so difficult and it's been kind of everything's been the reverse where we've had the better performances away so there was kind of the, the real fear um, after the challenge result was we'd, we'd come at home and the bad home form would continue but um, they, they really did turn it round We spoke earlier about needing a win like this, maybe just to reset. Do do you come away from it tonight feeling like we've done that and we can kind of go into the Millwall game at the weekend a bit more clear-headed? We just need to turn into a George Graham team. 1-0. 1-0 would do... Well, no, actually, we need need to start winning. We need to score two in the first half just so I can enjoy a second half of football. I've I've just come across a gift, by the way, of the Jack Harrison 84th minute moment. Bielsa's reaction to it. It's wonderful. Brilliant. <laughs> Furious. <laughs> I know how he feels. But again, Harrison was good and everything we said about Bamford before, it all needs to be put into the context of this was a really good um, performance. And withstanding that tonight, although the second half was tense, 
there were two things that were different from the Derby County game. One, we didn't concede in the last minute like twats. Two, uh, the atmosphere was a lot better tonight. It was good. There was a there was a wacko after ten minutes, which I, I mean, it struck me. I don't. I couldn't remember the last time I'd heard us singing at home that loud, and then it got going in the second half, and there was a big loud marching on together and. Um, the Matteo songs, Radabay as well. Yeah, it just felt like maybe there'd been, after the Derby game, sort of everybody involved has kind of gone, yeah, let's, let's fucking change this. Um, I don't know where Charlton fits into that pattern, but, um, but yeah, everything just felt better. So although there was the fear right up until the end, um, it wasn't the same kind of creeping inevitable inevitability as the derby game. That's, sense, what, that's what I meant about it earlier, about not feeling the same sense of dread. Sorry, yeah. go on. I think there was a sense of digging in today as well, that we knew it was a it was going to be tough and we were actually under some pressure. Whereas that derby game, we were under no pressure at any point in yeah. the game. It was like, we just decided to let them yeah. score. Well, the pressure from derby was all mental. It was all our own mm. downfall. Whereas this tonight was because they were quite good and that was the difference, I think. I mean, that they were good and putting us under pressure. I thought Pereira and Diangana, they're two, I don't even know who they're playing. They why I think they were kind of wingers, mm. attacking midfielders for them. They just seemed to be buzzing around all over the place and we were actually struggling. Yeah, Pereira quite. had loads of chances. We were struggling to pick them up. I think Pereira, it was him who nearly scored after we'd just scored. He yeah. just sort of did an Eddie Gray waltz into the box and went past pretty much everyone. Um, but like they had actual danger men, whereas... But did he score? No. Well, bollocks to him. <laughs> whereas in, against Derby, I never felt under any real yeah. threat when any of their mm. players had the ball because they were all shit and yep. probably hung over. I would say as well that when we're talking about uh, <laughs> digging in, um, when we had that corner with about two minutes left, I would have liked us to leave more players back than just Ferrari <laughs> in the fucking centre circle and Kiko about 10 yards behind him and everybody else. Because I was even, I was Kiko thinking... Kiko asking if he can go up. <laughs> I was even thinking, as it was I was like, oh, maybe, are we going to just keep this in the corner? It's like, nope, we're going to get nine players in the box and try and score another. Oh, Jesus. Marcelo, please. And we haven't mentioned uh, Kiko. Well, we've not mentioned... Um, what's come out of the Charlton game, which we probably can't, there's nothing to say until we know more uh, facts about the the accusation of racism um, from that match. But we do know that he came charging out of his goal with about five minutes left and the only way he managed to get away with them not scoring is because he booted the ball so hard in whoever it was his face <laughs> that they, they were dazed when you, they were running towards me and the ball whacked them full in the face and they were kind of, um, still running and shaking their head while the ball was just bouncing like about a foot away from them. And if they'd seen the ball yeah. and not been uh, concussed, they could have just controlled it and, and Is that scored. when he was right out of his area? Yeah, yeah, yeah on the halfway but line. But then again, there was that save, I think it was about halfway through the second half where I've, I've, jo- I've joined down 67, good save Kiko, I think, where he yes. dived down low and that was a good save that. Yeah, um, you, we know what Kiko, well, do we know what Kiko's like? We hope we know what Kiko's like and that the only thing we have to worry about with him are these just absolute madnesses. Um, so when I talk about him charging out the goal and booting the ball into a player's face 50 yards from goal, <laughs> it's not criticism, it's just a fact. It's just an it's observation. It's a funny thing that happened on the way to the win. Right, early candidates for heroes and villains then? <sighs> Patrick Bamford is an early candidate for a hero. Didn't, didn't think he would be at half-time because uh, that miss of is, you know, it's all part of the fucking typical Bamford story, but then everything about the rest of his performance, particularly... Second half, and also the fact he got absolutely uh, hammered by everybody who then all accused him of diving. It wasn't just Bartley, everybody was trying that with the ref. Seems to be this narrative that you can just snap Bamford and turn to the ref and go, he's dived, ref, he's dived. 
and uh, he stood up to it well, did Pat. He can enjoy having his uh, his feet massaged by the servants tonight. Before he heads over to a Tory party conference tomorrow. Oh, is he, is he speaking? Straight over to Manchester. He really angers people as Bamford. <laughs> mm. it's, in, it's interesting because he's not an obvious, he's not a savage or a bowyer or, you know, he's not someone who gets really in people's faces or does anything to the crowd or, I don't, I don't know what it is about him. I it's think it's that, his hair or something. He's, yeah. got, he's got something about his appearance it's, that I people think, just don't like. Is it just a streak of gamesmanship in him? Just to, yeah. just enough to wind people up. I think it's up. the diving thing, yeah. especially with other defenders. They like if he had uh, if he'd broken somebody's leg in a tackle, they'd probably say, "Yeah, good on this pro." But because he once dived in one match, once maybe twice, um, then he's yeah, he's a marked man. He's, he's the the fraud of all time, the cheat of cheats. Um, but no, and it was it was nice tonight that on full time, um, even though we hadn't scored, it was his name being sung. Um, everybody recognised he was man, man of the match. Um, so yeah, he's a hero. Any, but, any villains? Sorry, go on. Hal Robson Carnu for uh, doing Cooper. Yeah, I mean we haven't got any other defenders, so you, that's you a bit know, of an issue. Cooper, Cooper pulled up quite separate to all that. It, it was a muscular thing we pulled up. Oh, was it? But, but he still, wouldn't yeah. he wouldn't have hurt that muscle if he hadn't been trying to run off the injury from being kicked by Hal Robson Carney. Yeah. Hal Robson Carney was a villain even before the match in my eyes because I don't like seeing a centre forward wearing four. <laughs> that is very true. Yes, Cole can't have that. I must admit, I thought it was he was carrying the injury. No, still. he was just going in, uh, running in towards the area, and suddenly pulled up. So he's got two injuries. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about the ref uh, for Billich? Maybe for for the. Touchline shenanigans. Overall, I thought the referee was all right. I have to say, I thought he got most things correct. Should we have had um, a penalty or a free kick right on the edge of the box? It looked like a, quite an obvious handball. Uh, when was that? First uh, half. Yeah, it was uh, banged in. It was. Oh, that one. Yes, it was handball, but he was too close to do anything about it. I think it was. It was. Tw- he had his arms right down by his side. And it is that the rule, though? I mean, I've no idea what the rule is anymore. But I'm not it? sure. Okay. <laughs> is the honest answer. But um, but if we're going to pick anybody, maybe just. Billich for bitching about our coaching staff? Um, I don't mind Billich too much. Let's give it to the ref for listening to him. I'd like to nominate... An otherwise good performance. I'm going to nominate Bielsa for villain because he'd want to be nominated for making a mistake. <laughs> yes, you're right. He would. He'd, he'd like this self-flagellation. <laughs> of, yeah. No, it is a fair nomination and I will gladly take it. And we'll nominate uh, Tyler Roberts as hero for uh, for his stoic acceptance of, uh, of Bielsa's... Um, mistake because he won't hold it against him and that's to his credit and there we go then three points in the bag do we feel better now I'd like to nominate football as the hero as well I felt that like, the, the excitement of that game the end to end stuff with um, West Brom breaking really really quickly and us repelling those breaks and then attacking ourselves there were some bits of that game that were really really good um, and enjoyable which hasn't been the case for a while I think that was that's maybe the other difference from the Derby match was that the end stages of tonight was this has been a really good game and we can't we can't give this up. Whereas the Derby one just felt like like that felt like a grind from first minute to last. Whereas there was a bit of joy in the match. So football was the winner, and we are top of the league again. It's, it's very easy to say football's the winner when you've won, isn't it? Well, as long as Leeds United are the winner, football's the winner. I don't acknowledge any other teams. Yeah. All right, then, to return to my earlier question, are you happy now? Do you feel happy going into the weekend? I mean, it's Millwall, so there's only so happy you can be, isn't there? When you... But they're shit, and by the law of averages, we should beat them. But we've been better than them 
for our entire history and we still seem to lose there every time so I don't know we'll just see earlier today I think, I think I said I'd be happy with three points from the two games so you've got, you've got you're looking three. forward to losing so I've got my three I've got my three I can't really complain about you Moscow happy? Uh, yeah Millwall have got oh they're playing Luton tomorrow so hopefully if that goes the way it used to go in the 1980s Jesus uh, Christ Millwall will be thrown out the league by, <laughs> by Saturday so we won't even have to play them um, won't be before time so They'll probably tear down the stadium and all the surrounding houses that are built into the stadium and, and be fined £8,000 or something. It's um, <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, if we play like we did tonight, it's going to be absolutely fine because we were up against... Um, oh, we could do with Cooper for it, couldn't we? Oh, Berardi will be man of the match. He likes a scrap, it's He'll fine. He'll score too. Good That's stuff. what I predict now. Berardi's going to score against Millwall. Berardi against win. Matt Smith. Oh, it's it's two lovely people just having a, just thinking of the having a picnic. differential. Yeah, but we've seen you remember Brady against Middlesbrough last year when he was disappearing. Like we, we were defending <laughs> their corner people. and he disappeared between Ayala and whoever the other one was, um, and we we didn't concede to them. So, and yeah, that's the other uh, note from tonight that I kept making. It was either West Brom's naivety taking corners short but they didn't get anything really from a, a set piece. And I did notice Pat Bamford, because his role, he's done the doing the Pontus thing of being the free man who heads the ball away. There was one absolutely fantastic clearing header from a set piece. So it almost looked like um, that had improved. It was helped by West Brom's naivety that they didn't just get it in the mixer. Um, I noticed as well, when they took one short, Jack Harrison took his, uh, his own initiative to run out and, and stop that from happening. So there were good things happening and I think it's interesting that they were happening without the benefit of like a week of working on it and stuff they just kind of they just got back into a, a good groove credit credit to the lads good stuff I say and a nice way to wrap it up so we'll be back to speak after the Millwall game at the weekend with another match ball thank you for listening we'll speak to you then see you in a bit The Square Ball Podcast Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.